be no class. Next Thursday, of course, is Thanksgiving. And so uh, I thought this would be a good time to do a recap, essentially, of the last three uh, lessons. So um, here we go as we turn now to chapter 19 of 1 Samuel. Chapter 19 of 1 Samuel. And uh, I'm not going to be reading every word of the um, text, um, but I kind of bring us, bring us up to date as a summary. Like I said, the last two classes, and tonight we, we would end with the last part of chapter 19. But to get us, get us all um, to gather, and uh, before we get into the last part of chapter 19, you see at the beginning of chapter 19, of course, for Samuel, that Saul had urged his servants and his son Jonathan to assassinate David. And what is significant here is not just including his servants, he's including his own son Jonathan the apparent heir to his throne. Now on previous occasion, uh, he had used some plots of people in the army and situations like those <laughs> uh, to try to um, kill David. But now starting in chapter 19, he's turned the people closer to him, his servants and servants, you know, being, a loose way of translating that is uh, his workers and his and, and, and as I said before, his very own son, Jonathan. Now Jonathan and David were good friends, and he told David, Jonathan did, what his father was planning, and he warned him that um, he must find a hiding place out in the fields. Uh, and, um, you know, to, to avoid his father, to evade his father from killing him. Verse 3, I'll ask my father to go out there with me, and I'll talk him, to him about you, and I'll tell you everything I can find out. Now, the next morning, uh, Jonathan did speak to his father, saying many good things about him. And told his father, no, don't sin against David. He really hasn't done you any harm. In fact, he has supported you in so many ways. Um, and he risked his life. Look at the time that he fought Goliath. Um, killed Goliath. He risked his life to save you and to give you a good, vic uh, great victory. Uh, and the people of Israel, um, Killing him, you know, uh, would not be a good thing. It would be a sin. Um, why kill an innocent man, a particular man like David, for no reason at all? Now, which is interesting, and you have to see how, uh, 
Paul was really suffering from depression, from fright, and now he seemed to be, I don't know, maybe bipolar or something like that. I really, you know, we, I'm just going by his behavior. I, you know, obviously we can't uh, be certain of, of any of this, but at this point, he, you know, he agreed. He listened to Jonathan and he made a vow that he, and he, and he made a vow using the Lord's name. As surely as the Lord lives, David would not be killed. But as you will see later on, it was just a compulsive behavior with Saul. He just kept trying over and over to kill David. King Saul, that is, of course, after he has said, uh, surely as the Lord lived, David will not be killed. So, you need to see uh, how sometimes people may say one thing, but there are other things going on in their minds and their heart that makes them act differently. Or soon afterwards, forget about what they swore to do. So war broke out in verse number 8. You see that again, again with the Philistine. This was a, a terrible period of time. Uh, it went on for many years, of course. The fighting, sometimes skirmishes, but other times some serious encounters. And uh, between uh, the the Philistines and um, the Israelites. Then verse 8, as I said, the war broke out and David led troops against the Philistines. He attacked them with such fury that they ran away. But one day when Saul was sitting at home, verse 9, with a spear in his hand and the tormenting spirit of the Lord suddenly came upon him as David played a harp, and Saul hurled a spear at David, but David dodged out the way, and the spear actually stuck in the wall. So David fled, escaping into the night. Now this is not the first time, as you recall, that uh, Saul attempted to kill David with a spear, with a javelin. Now, David uh, ran, of course, didn't react, didn't try to, you know, first of all, uh, tried to kill a, kill a king, even in defense, would have been a severe mistake. But anyhow, he respected Paul, uh, Saul, he res respected Saul, as you would see, uh, as we go on with the story. Now, Michelle, the daughter of Saul, um, sent troops to, to watch David's house. They were told to kill David when he came out the next morning. No, I'm sorry. Michelle, uh, Saul sent troops to watch David's house 
His intention was to kill David the next morning. There was some kind of superstition uh, about killing uh, somebody at night in their own home and so forth and so on. But Michal, uh, his wife, which uh, was uh, Saul's daughter, warned him. And so he escaped during the night. So, uh, so um, by the time morning came, the next day came, um, uh, when they tried, to, the, the soldiers tried to kill David, she had put an idol in the bed covered with a blanket and a cushion of goat hair on his head, and that's an idol head. So uh, when they came to arrest David, they she told them he was sick and couldn't get out of bed. Now when Paul Saul heard this, heard this, when Saul heard this, he was completely enraged, and uh, he said, "Bring him to me in his bed." as sick as he is in his bed, that I can kill him. But when they went to get David out, they discovered, of course, that there was only an idol in the bed with a cushion, you know, uh, of uh, goat's hair uh, where his head would be. Uh, so um, that's what Michelle did. And we're going to see more as we go along how this all unfolded. Um, so, of course, Saul, King Saul, was mad, crazily mad with Michal, his daughter, and said, Why have you allowed my enemy to escape? This is very interesting because she's calling her, her daughter's husband. Uh, an enemy, um, but she she was presented to marry David by Saul himself. So you see how confused Saul, uh, Saul is, how mixed up he is, having this fear, this great fear uh, of David that just drove him crazy. And as we have said before several times, not once up to this point, and you will see even later on, did he turn to God? We said this and we stressed this and asked God for guidance. And people have said this and, and, and put his concern to God and, and, and uh, show faith. God, he was anointed. He was king show faith in God and what God had provided for him and let God give him the answer as to why David seemed to be someone that uh, God had chosen and uh, seemingly to take over the throne. But he never went to, to David, uh, to God. Uh, Saul never went to, to Saul. And that's why we say that his fear overcame his faith. And when we talk about fear, we want the opposite. We want, we want our faith to overcome our fear, which is a plain in the case of David because so many attempts to kill him. Um, Saul doesn't keep his word. Um, 
David had to run uh, and hide and and for a long time uh, as we get into the story we'll see David uh, was out there living uh, as a hermit and in a very poor situation uh, of living and um, and with all of that and as we will see uh, had opportunity to retaliate against Saul but did not and so David had faith that God would work things out God would take care of the situation with Saul so David was doing the opposite all along he was displaying faith in God so here we go um, in verse number 18 which would have been uh, the last lesson that we shared. So David escaped and went to Ramah to see Samuel uh, and uh, coming into tonight, of course, this is what we would be, and told him all that Saul had done to him. Then Samuel took David to live at Naoth. <coughs> I'm sorry. When the report reached Saul that David was at Naoth in Ramah, he sent troops to capture him. But when they arrived, they saw Samuel leading a group of prophets who were prophesying. The Spirit of God came upon Saul men, and they also began to prophesy. They were caught up in the spirit of what was going on with Samuel and the other prophets. When Saul heard what had happened, he sent other troops, but they too prophesied. The same thing happened a third time. So God put this protection around us, spiritual protection around us, when we're besieging, under stress, and distress, and everything else. And that's what happened. They came to capture David, came to kill David. He is with the spiritual, ecstatic um, presence of uh, Samuel and the prophet, and the spirit would not allow anything bad to happen to him. In verse 22, we see, finally Saul himself went to Ramah and arrived at a great that at the great well at Seku were, were Samuel and David, he demanded. You see how affected Saul was, how driven he was. Three times he sent men over there and um, they could not kill David. The spirit was too high. Then he himself went he himself went uh just like the time when the man didn't find you know said that he was sick and he couldn't he bring him to me i'll kill him myself what kind of rage was raising inside of raging inside of Saul? okay were Samuel and David, he demanded, in verse 22. 
They are at Naoth and Ramah, someone told him. But on the way to Naoth and Ramah, the Spirit of the Lord came even upon Saul, and he too began prophesying all the way to Naoth. He tore off his clothes and lay naked on the ground all day and night, prophesying in the presence of Samuel. The people were watching, who were watching, exclaimed, What is even Saul a prophet? No, he was not. But God more than lightly was speaking to him and giving him opportunity to change from this incessant um, uh, deliberate attempt to kill David. And as we will see later on, even though the Spirit of God came upon Saul, he still did not change and eventually went on to still try to kill Saul. I mean, um, David, I'm sorry. No, he was not a prophet. He was not really divinely touched in that sense. More than likely, Saul was being given a warning to leave David alone. And so as we conclude tonight, sometimes people may have spiritual experiences where God has given them messages, showing them things spiritually showing them that he has the power even to paralyze them, so to speak, with a spiritual experience. But in all of that, sometimes people still rely more on their personal experiences, their personal biases, their, 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 their obsession, uh, not doing what is right, believing they're right. In the case of Saul, it was so obvious that he, that he, he just was disconnected spiritually from God. Like I said, never would turn to God for help, for guidance, for understanding, thinking that taking things into his hands, I don't know, God would defend him. If he killed David, God would forgive him. If he killed David, he would have an excuse to say, well, I'm the king and I had the power and God made me the king. So I use the power that I have as being a king uh, to kill David because I considered him a threat and God had, uh, had anointed me. Well, it so happened that God also anointed David. It brings us to another realm of understanding. As we meet again after Thanksgiving, we would see that David anointing was not simply to be a king, was not simply to be a great warrior and a leader of, of, of soldiers in battle,
we see an indication right here that David anointing was to protect him from Saul, among other things. David anointing was to keep him, keep him being obedient to God. David anointed opposite to Saul, so Saul, as God explained, you know, really did not uh, relate to God in a spiritual way, did not appropriate, did not embrace the anointing of God to give him power and to do wonderful things in his life. And he lost that connection with his anointing because of the fear, the, the uncommon, remarkable, extraordinary fear that he had of David. And that's what fear can really do to people, it can take away their anointing uh, benefits, so to speak. The very opposite, though, as we're talking about David, is that his faith in God allow his anointing to expand, to to grow, to broaden his vision as we will see later on, enhanced his wisdom and did other great things in his life and gave him power to sustain and maintain and persevere uh, difficulties, all kind of difficulties that came up in his life. Uh, the anointing uh, allow him to overcome all sort of things. And so it will do the same for us if we accept God touching our lives, anointing us and to, to spiritual heights and depths and width and breadth and everything else. It will, it will keep us safe it will give us strength, it will encourage us, and it will show us how we can overcome great fears that may come up in our lives. So we thank God that uh, we're able to share all of this.